close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to the Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brennan Storer. I'm Paul Bestall. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 121, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. How are you, Paul? I'm very well. Disappointed I've lost my new roof today, but we move on. It was really a sort of a, a story that happened, a love story of loss and surprise <laughs> that happened in the span of a few hours. It was, it was, yes, yes. I awoke this morning to discover that someone had delivered a new roof into my back garden, which would have been great if it was anything to do with us. <laughs> and when we discovered this said new roof, uh, some poor chap had been sent to uh, take it from our back garden and deliver it to the correct address half a mile up the road. I was going to say, which had very little connection to your address at all. No, no. No, the only number out of the three that was similar was the number one, but not in the right place. <laughs> well, it's, it's an easy mistake. To, it's a very common number, Paul. I can only assume their dispatch person just sees everything in matrix code. And so there was a <laughs> lot of ones in there. Easy to confuse. Yes. Yes. So unfortunately, my rose bush has been uh, taken down by a pallet of slates, but uh, we will we will rise again. R.I.P. Rosebush. Rosebud. <laughs> Well, speaking of movies, uh, ask your grandparents, kids. I have a bone to pick with you, buddy. I don't believe this. Because you recommended the Howling films to me. And because I have focus, a, a hyper-focus issue, I rented six of them and watched them in a week. And two of them made me question the existence of God. <laughs> well, you use the term recommendation there. And I think... That's your mistake. Just because I say you need to watch it doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> See, this is an important distinction that was not made clear. I'm... Howling 1, good. Howling 2 is just batshit crazy. Yes. 3, 4, 5. Pfft, I don't know what's going on there. 6, hang on. Has somebody else taken over this series? Because this film's quite good. What's going on there? That's it. There you are. <laughs> and I'm told by, by Sam Sheeran that 7... <laughs> should be avoided at all costs. I think any film series, when it hits the latter half of a decade, is you're asking for trouble, really. I'm only using the Puppet Master films as a, as a template for that role. I've never seen any of them. And after my experience with the Howling films, I don't know that I'm going to, to watch them. <laughs> One and three. Okay. 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 One don't and watch three. any of the others. Listeners, you get a whole pulse of this. Because if one and three are garbage, I'm going to do a fun drive to fly over there and kick him in the balls. That's just yeah. what I'm going to do. One's worth it for the character that walks around with a stuffed dog. Okay. Okay. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. It is Halloween after all. And so I'm intrigued by stuffed dog. Um, and I, I actually, I want to step up to the plate for Howling 3, the marsupials, because I actually thought that was quite a sweet, <laughs> clever film. Then yes, if you're if you're looking for movies this Halloween, the Howling One is a masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. I, aside from some dodgy werewolf effects in the very final shot because they made some bad decisions and were out of money, it's a brilliant goddamn movie. Anyways, this is not the the horror movie podcast, although at times I've tried. 
But I will say, yeah, if you're looking for Halloween movies, the first Howling film is where it's at. You want something bug shit crazy, like Paul says, Howling 2 is an experience you'll never forget, no matter how hard you try. And, but yeah, so yeah, I, I've been traumatized by six, six uh, installments of this thing in a week. I think my wife was starting to wonder about my sanity because she'd go to bed and I'm sitting there with, you know, yet another Howling film. And I think it's at one point she asked me, how many of these are there? And I just entered that permanent twilight state where I didn't remember anymore. The howling just was everything before me and everything after me. There was nothing but werewolves. And I will say it was useful because I'm actually trying to write a book which involves werewolves. And those were instructive in what not to do. <laughs> so I, I suppose I should thank you for that. All right. Well, as I've said about 16 times now, it is, in fact, Halloween or it's getting very, very close. This will be the last episode that airs. Yeah, I know. It's very confusing. It's pretty close to Halloween. If you play this on Halloween, then technically I will be right. And of course, Halloween for us is always Listener Stories Month, and we have another great selection of listener stories lined up. We also have a, our musical guest back. In addition to it being Halloween, October is Vampire Stepdad Month. And this month we are celebrating his latest release, Sanguine, which is available now at VampireStepdad.com. VSD is a great, great guy, and I'm very excited about the new album. The track we're going to be sharing on tonight's show is Everending Stories. And again, that's from his latest album, Sanguine. You can find that at VampireStepdad.com. But before we get to the stories, before we get to the tunes, we have to thank our patrons. This one's for the patrons. That's right, patrons. You are the Peter Cushing to our Christopher Lee. <laughs> you complete us. <laughs> and we couldn't do this thing without you. So... Of course, we'd like to thank all our patrons, but this time around, we'd especially like to thank our latest patrons. And they are... April Bathory Kit Kenyon Chelsea Berg Lida Philiday Karen Christine Horwitz Harry Bird Mary Boyer Hubba Khan Narrowed Eyes Annie Tomarup Guys, thank you so, so much. From the bottom of our terrible, terrible hearts... This show wouldn't be possible without our patrons. It legitimately would not. And so we appreciate everyone who listens, you know, without our listeners. There's no, there's no point to doing this, but patrons especially. You guys hold a special place in our hearts, and we appreciate every single one of you. So if you want to join the team, head on over to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys, and we'll tell you at the show about all the great shit you get when you do that. But we will say, if you don't like ads, and really, who does? Ads suck. For a dollar a month, you get an ad-free feed. And again, that's at patreon.com slash ghostery, guys. All right, Paul. Almost Halloween is upon us. And so we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. As we said before the break, this episode is another installment of fantastic listener stories. And before we get to them, we wanted to do a little bit of email. Although before we even get there, we, we had a special request from one of our patrons and that patron asked us to remind you to check the batteries in your smoke detectors. You know, it's, it sounds like well, you're a fucking ghost podcast. Why do you care? Frankly, because we don't want you becoming ghosts. 
There's enough of them out there. We don't need material so bad. We need you dying. So check the batteries in your smoke detectors. Uh, again, this is a special request because of some tragic circumstances. And so we are reminding you because we want you all to stay safe this Halloween. And just generally speaking, like I said, you can't listen to the show when you're dead. So do us a favor, check those smoke detectors, check those carbon monoxide detectors and uh, take care of each other. So there we go. Peace cat. I know I said I was going to do that on the last show, but here it is. I love that people come to us with PSAs, Paul. That actually makes me happy. Yes, I agree. Because um, I think, yeah, these guys give enough of a shit to bother asking them. Because we do. We do give enough of a shit. Yeah, yeah. All right. So from the, the cautionary tale, actually, we come to another kind of cautionary tale with an email from Maggie. And I know we've got some people in our audience who are, uh, who are brujos or brujas, and I think they may be able to help us answer this. But Maggie said, I found something odd today. I thought you might be able to shed light on. I was at one of my regular spots for running the dog when I came across some flour on the ground. My first thought was that someone was marking a, was marking a course for hash games. I don't know what that is, but then I realized it was sprinkled and along. I mean, I've played hash games, but I don't think that's what you're talking about. It's usually, usually Mario Kart. <laughs> or Call of Duty for three days. <laughs> I think that's, that's meth games. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Those are speed games. I uh, get it mixed up. Anyways, back to the hash games. <laughs> My first thought was that someone was ma- marking a course for hash games, but then I realized it was sprinkled along with cracked eggs in a circle around a large oak tree. Thought it was weird, but carried on and didn't think much of it. This was a small park. I ran every trail while I was there and didn't see flower eggs or flower or eggs anywhere else. On my way back through, I stopped at another oak tree called the Great Oak. It's so large, there's a trail just for it. And I sometimes stop and meditate or pray because, well, I don't know why. Today, I left Great Oak feeling a little unfulfilled with my time there. As I headed down the trail, I saw another, slightly smaller tree and thought, yes, that's the one. I want to spend some time there. And then I saw the flower on the ground. I'd forgotten all about it, but the tree I was drawn to was the tree encircled in flower and eggs. So I don't know. But I, I, I know there is something, again, in um, certain religious practices about eggs. And I'm wondering if it was maybe not flour, but salt. But um, anyways, so if our listeners out there, if you have any ideas, shoot us a message. Ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Very curious to know. I know we'll get in touch with, uh, with our regulars about this kind of thing. But um, yeah, thought that was really unusual. Wanted to share. Yeah. I've never come across anything like that. No. I mean, I think the fact it's oak is mm. significant. Yeah given the sort of the, the paranormal legacy of Oak. But uh, beyond that, no, I have no idea. This next message is from Ivy. And Ivy says, I live in North Idaho, but make frequent trips down to Boise to visit my family. To get to Boise from up north, you take the highway down to New Meadows, at which point the road diverges and there are two routes you can take. One will take you through a mountain town called McCall. The other will take you through council. The two take almost exactly the same amount of time, but the drive through McCall is more winding and can be a bit more harrowing, especially in the winter. That being said, I never travel the council way if I can avoid it. I can't explain it, but there's an hourish long stretch of the journey, about from council down to Wiser, where I have terrible, terrible intrusive thoughts like I've never experienced before. Images of awful wrecks and all the carnage that goes along with them. Seeing myself driving into oncoming traffic. Horrible, disturbing things like that to the point of having to pull over until I can calm down. 
I'm not saying that these thoughts are paranormal necessarily, but I can't explain why they occur exclusively on this particular stretch of highway. Ivy's referring to a comment I made about traveling through that part of Idaho at one point. Mm. Yeah, I stayed overnight in the little town of Council. It was it was very, very strange. Mm. So I, I, I had no idea why. But I know the drive from Payette to Council was very creepy. And so it's interesting to note that Ivy had the same experience. Although, weirdly, Ivy, Anthony, and I'm sure he won't mind me saying this, when he was working in Victoria, he was um, part of a janitorial team. And there was one particular location he started refusing to go to because, you know, Anthony is not a person given to depression, but in this one area, he would be consumed by self-destructive thoughts. It's only this one place. As soon as he left it, it was almost like he had a radius. As soon as he left it, he was fine. But the longer he was in this place, the more he found himself having these, these, these self-destructive, uh, disturbing thoughts. And he just couldn't, couldn't figure out where it was coming from. Who knows why, but there do seem to be places like this. Most people will have experienced a location or a place that they just don't feel good in. I think it's a very, yep. it's a very unsettling experience when it happens to you, especially to the extent like Ivy has. But obtrusive thoughts like that are quite a strange phenomena anyway, because they're one of those things that most people have, but not usually in that kind of situation. Most people have them and obviously don't want to talk about them because sometimes people think of the most horrific things, which are completely at opposites to their normal persona. So it's a strange phenomena in general. Yeah, absolutely. And and I I think infrasound is very possible. Yeah, certainly I wouldn't rule out, I wouldn't rule anything out. Next one's from Tyler. And we told Tyler's story on episode 121 or 120, rather the uncovered well. It was a story for which the, the episode was named. Tyler says, I have to say Paul's comments about closing up the well and that whatever it is, it came out, can't get back in. I had not thought about that. So thanks for that. That's on you. I haven't had anything happen since this incident, and I'm still hoping it's a one-time thing. Tyler, we sure as hell hope it's a one-time thing too. Yeah, sorry about that. I just like to look at all the angles. Especially the ones that ruin our sleep. (laughs) It's probably living in the microwave now. It's moved on. That's fine. The Haunted Microwave. That's another book we could write. Well, we've had the Haunted Toaster, so why not? And if you've never seen that woman being interviewed on television, I recommend you search it out. Okay. Some more, some more homework. I, I do love after these recordings, I go and watch the things you talk about and I think, Jesus, the world <laughs> is much worse than I thought it was. Yeah. The Haunted Toaster is an advertisement for why we should stop broadcasting news on the television. <laughs> I'm not going to link it in the show notes, folks. You got to really want this one, but it's out there. If you want it enough, you can find it. There you go. All right. And Maya says, a couple of years ago when I lived alone and my mental health was really bad, I experienced a lot of sleep paralysis. One time in particular, I woke up to heavy footsteps in my living room and the laugh from an old man. He wasn't in my bedroom, but I could see him in my mind's eye, a heavyset man with evil eyes, green rubber boots, denim overalls, gray curly hair and beard, a small hat slash beret, and a red flannel shirt. I had forgotten this until a couple episodes ago. So thank you for sharing that, Maya. And it's, yeah, another story to add on the pile of the, the strange flannel man, plaid people, Whatever the fuck is going on with those guys. <laughs> Quite disappointed. I only usually get exploding head syndrome. Same here. At most. Lots of oh, and anxiety. Yeah. Mm. Lots of anxiety. Yeah. I don't hear I tell it that you, much I, these days, actually. But it's, it's always, a, I always know now. It's usually when I'm stressed out or got a lot on my mind. And I always get three taps on head. my head. Really? Mm. Bup, 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 bup. Interesting. 
wonder if this is someone out there being like, calm the fuck down, man. Well, <laughs> yeah, chill, chill out. It's all good. Relax. Yeah. Well, send them my way next time because Jesus Christ, I've been waking up in the middle of the night. Terrible anxiety. Yeah, well, I don't know. If you've been woken up because you think somebody's tapping on your head and there's nobody there, I don't know if that's really going to help with anxiety. Give me something else to worry about, though. Well, true. This one's from Jen. Hey, guys, I'm a stay-at-home mom of two, so I don't get much time for myself, but always been a long-time believer in the paranormal and the spooky shit. I had my daughter in April, following her coming Earthside. I had some major PPD, postpartum depression, and went down a really bad hole and was pretty much done. Then I found you guys. I love your podcast and how opening, funny and honest about real world shit. The spooky stories make it even better. You guys help pull me out of a dark place and I just want to say you make a difference. Party on. Well, thank you, Jen. Yes, thank you. Uh, party on indeed. We don't ever want to be the guys who are patting ourselves on the back, but we just want to know that when you guys send those things in, you know, we, we read them and we very much appreciate it. You know, that uh, it means a lot to us. Really does. Thank you. And now that we've had a heartwarming moment, we're going to go scare the shit out of you. <laughs> On with the stories. This story comes from Claire. I have a curious story. Through the stories of your show and others, I thought I'd grasped most types of apparitions but not the Shimmer Man. My son is what they refer to as an indigo child. He has the gift, which was very prominent when he was younger. However, despite mentioning he sees our dog who passed occasionally, not much more has occurred in recent years. He is now nine, and just over a week ago he called from the bathroom that there was a man in there. I explained to him that our cats aren't reacting, that's my go-to gauge for any unusual paranormal activity, and that I had saged the house only the night before, so regretfully doubted his story. As the night progressed, he became more distressed, a sign he's telling the truth, before he snapped at me, I see them differently to the way you see them, Mum. That stopped me in my tracks, as I've never before written off his gift, but it never occurred to me that our gifts could vary. I asked him to explain what he saw, and when he knew he had my full attention, he went on to tell me he sees the air shimmer in the shape of a person, and he can make out their features in approximate age, and so on. From what I understand, the air shimmer is translucent, yet he can quite clearly see who is there. This man has appeared a couple more times, still only in the bathroom. My son doesn't feel scared, and unlike previous houses we have lived in, there doesn't seem to be any residue or environmental anomaly to hint at anything paranormal. Have you or your listeners experienced anything like the shimmer man before? I'd be interested to hear and get some ideas as to how to educate myself further to support him with these visions. And thank you for sharing, Claire, and honestly... The only thing I've heard in terms of this shimmer really is um, that story from the Missing 411 Hunters book, where someone in a, I want to say a deer stand, saw what appeared to be, after the forest went quiet, saw what appeared to be like a shimmering human-like form in the trees, as I recall. Yeah, it's Bruce Maccabee's wife, the famous ufologist. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, she's interviewed on the documentary, The Hunters, as well. She took a picture of it. Right, yeah, it's it's in the book, but I didn't really see. I had a hard time making it out in the book, as I recall. But um, are you familiar with any other examples of this? Well, 
there's a lot of shimmering that goes on in certain cryptozoological circles, but if you ask other people, it's all a load of nonsense. So, um, <laughs> oh, okay. There have been a few paranormal encounters where it seems as though something's there, and like we've just been discussing, it's it's as if something's shimmering, like right, like sunlight on water or something like that. It's you 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 can see it, but it's it's not really you're not really sure what's going on. Oh, so, sort of mirage-like. Yeah. It doesn't tend to get reported that much, but you know, I'm aware of more than a handful, so it's not that unique, but it's it's certainly one of the lesser reported paranormal phenomenons that I'm aware of anyway. Interesting. So Claire, all we can all I can really say and and obviously if our listeners have any other experiences like this with with shimmering people or or shimmering visions, you know, please let us know. But I will say I wouldn't necessarily depend on pets as a gauge for these kind of things. You know, if, if the cats aren't reacting, therefore, because we've had many, many, um, I shouldn't say many, but we've had more than a few people write in with experiences where the animals didn't react at all, but the people very much felt and in some cases saw something. Yeah. There's plenty of stories where animals have a pleasant reaction to paranormal phenomena as well. Our next story is from Jenny. Last summer. I moved to a new city for work, and since my husband couldn't join me for a few months, I was in our new apartment alone. For the first few weeks, I didn't notice anything odd, and it was very comfortable. But one day, it just changed. I started to feel like there was someone else in the apartment with me. It wasn't a menacing feeling, but it made it hard to sleep, as I could see their outline in my mind's eye in the corner of my bedroom when I was trying to fall asleep and I could sense them shifting throughout the night, which would wake me up. Even though I have seen many spirits, I'm always first thinking that I'm just imagining it. However, after a few sleepless nights, I decided to bring up my feeling to my mom. In meditation later that day, she sensed that there was a spirit of a man in my apartment. She said he died from trauma in the hospital I worked at, and had followed me home, but she couldn't get him to move on. So, she contacted her friend who has a spirit guide, that is particularly good at helping spirits who are stuck here cross over into the light. That night, when I got home from work, my mum called me to tell me that her friend and the spirit guide were almost able to get him to cross over. But then he sat down on my couch, and told them that he didn't want to leave. He belonged there with me. They reported that his exact words were that he was my roommate, and that we liked to sit on the couch in the evening and eat popcorn and chill in front of the TV. This statement really surprised me, because popcorn is my favourite food. I make it on the stove and eat it every night before bed, a fact that my mum's friend wouldn't know about me. The friend said that the only way that this spirit would leave is if I personally told him to. So that night, in meditation, I stated that this was my home, and he wasn't supposed to be here, he wasn't welcome, and needed to go into the light. I told him that he didn't have to be scared, that he would be safe and happy there. I kept repeating that in my mind, until I felt his energy calm and then lift from my apartment. Now I try to remember to make a little bubble of light around myself on my way into work, to protect myself from bringing home any other roommates. Yeah, Jenny, that seems, that seems like a good move, because uh, <laughs> that ghost sounds a whole lot like me, and you don't want that hanging around. <laughs> No, I, I know what's waiting for me in the afterlife. Fuck that. I'm going to stay here where there's popcorn and TV. Absolutely. At least we know ghosts like to chill. 
That's it. See, this I think we just got to find the right ghosts, Paul, and we can have ghost buddies. We can have ghost co-hosts. It's just about finding the right people. It's it's like Twitter. All the ghosts we ever hear from are the really dramatic ones. We just got to sift through and find the decent ones. I think it's only a matter of time before someone launches a podcast with a ghost. If it hasn't happened already, now that we've said it, yes, it is in fact going to happen. Well, actually, I, there's something I've been meaning to tell you. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> there's money in this make sure Baggins isn't listening this story comes from Haley I'm a high school teacher from Baltimore, Maryland and about a year and a half ago one of my former students turned 21 then died in her sleep from a morphine overdose I have had several dreams about her but in them she was her outgoing life-loving Instagram persona this time was very different because of COVID we went to spend time with our friends at their cabin, and we stayed outside and slept in our tent. That night I had a dream that I was sitting with her on a curb. Everything was kind of foggy, and I couldn't see where we were. But we were just talking about art and different stuff. Then a person was walking by. At the time I recognized them, but after I couldn't remember who it was. Agnes looked at them and said, There's someone else. I said, Yes, they're dead too. She looked confused and then shocked as she processed what I said. I'm dead? That's what's happening to me? I had to calm her down and explain to her what had happened. I hugged her and told her she needed to move on, that this part was over. She was crying and I was crying and I was going to stay with her, but my girlfriend woke me up. She said I was making weird noises and it looked like I was in a nightmare. I told her about the dream, but she just thinks it was in my head. I was and still am very worried that she is stuck and can't move on. When we got home, I contacted one of her good friends, another former student, and I told him about my dream. He said I was not the only one. She has been reaching out to people and doesn't know she is dead. This friend of hers is very spiritual and has been working to help her. He said it's common for people who die in their sleep, particularly those who died from an overdose, to not know they died. I hope she can find a way to move on. Yeah, Haley, I, I hope so too. That's, um, that's an awful thought. You know, again, I, obviously we were joking last time about, you know, once I'm a ghost, I don't intend to move on, but, you know, that's at least a choice. Yeah. It's not something we hear very often these days that people are stuck. I mean, often there is this modern perception that on television shows and things that most ghosts are just hanging around because they can't go anywhere, which I've never really bought into. But when you come across an experience like that, especially the fact that Agnes is apparently reaching out to several people at once. Yeah. I think that gives it a bit more credence that there's clearly something else going on here. You know, I, I've heard a few times from Bob, he's at times been volunteering in a, in a clinic, or I don't know if he's doing it now, but um, he was volunteering during the pandemic. And he said, you know, there were, there were people who obviously came in and because in certain parts of the world, there is a lot of media apparatus put in place to make people doubt the reality of this thing. They were coming in not believing that they actually had the virus. And he said that they were, there have been instances of people coming back because you know, with, with those who are capable of seeing them are seeing these people come back because they are so confused hmm. as to the fact that they're, they're past. Hmm. And I know there's these anecdotal reports from Japan following the tsunami and things like this. And I kind of wondered if, if we're going to see more and more of these stories of people who passed from, from this terrible virus that we've been living with now for the better part of two years and who just 
are so confused as to how, how, cause in some cases it happens really fucking fast mm. and who are just not going to be able to not going to understand why they are, where they are and what that means. Hmm. I think for lots of people as well, regardless, even the, even the living, it's the trauma because I think, you know, grief is a bad enough situation under normal circumstances when somebody passes, but in the majority of situations, you're able to spend time with that person. You can prepare yourself for them departing or you're aware that they may depart. And unfortunately for a lot of people, they've not been able to do that. So I think there's going to be a lot of people on both sides of the divide that are going to be feeling very different in the coming months and years. Yeah. And I'll be honest. I mean, that's something that actually worries me going forward is that, you know, we, we're not, we're not really a, a society comfortable with grief because we've, we've sort of, I mean, we've really sequestered the death and dying process completely off camera. I mean, that's just something we kind of, it happens in a very proscribed place in a very proscribed manner. And we don't really have a great process for dealing with grief. And let's face it, you know, the last couple of years and really probably the next couple of years coming as, as things start to start to even out again, there is a tremendous amount of grief, not only for the people we've lost, but for the way of life that's gone. Hmm. And I just don't know that we are giving space to people to do that. Hmm. You know, I, um, obviously there's a lot of inkman spilled about this, um, labor shortage, that's going on. And, and this is, you know, this is going to get a little bit, well, it's not political at all, but some people are going to think it is and that's fine. But you know, people are saying, well, no one wants to work anymore, you know, and, and these things, but the data doesn't bear that out. And I know finances, the other F word is going to be doing an, an episode about this, but mm. there is no labor shortage. It's, it's just that the jobs are terrible and yeah. the people who are by and large, the people who are hiring for positions, they're still hiring the way they did before the pandemic, before people understood that life is short and that some stranger breathing on you can end your life. <laughs> Basically before people recognize their worth, like mm. the value of the value of their, of their labor. What I'm getting at is a lot of these folks, they want everything to go back to the way it was. And that's not going to happen. The mm. world has changed. And it's not to say the way it, it, it's going to be, isn't going to be good. I'm sure it will be once it, once we get established, but that way of life is gone. That way of living is gone. And the longer we pretend it's not, the harder it's going to be to adjust to the way it is now. Yeah. And I really do worry about that. I worry about our resistance to grief and to mm. processing, to processing the tragedy of, of what's happened over the last two years. And I worry that that's going to really inhibit us going forward. Yeah. It's going to be a, a difficult path down the line. And I think we just need to focus on the positive things regardless of what's happened and, and deal with things in the way that we want to deal with them, not how, like you say, oh, it's, everything's go, gone back to normal. Well, it, it can never be normal again. No, that's it. It's, it's just there. Is, we, we find a new equilibrium. You know, mm. it's like, it's like a breakup, mm. you know, it, it, that's what it is. We've broken up with the way we used to live and we got to find someone new to wrap it up. Yeah. I, I, I do worry about that. I worry about, again, just our our resistance to grief and, and processing these things. And, uh, I, I worry about that hampering our ability to establish a new world going forward. Mm. So Haley, I'm sure that's not, you know, what you wanted to hear. That was very, <laughs> very grim conversation, but at the same time, I think it's an important one to have. And, um, I, you know, I, I really hope that Agnes is able to, to move on. And if you do hear any more, please, you know, please let us know. Cause I'd be, I'd be very curious to know 
uh, if she does find her way over, as, as I'm sure she will in time. But um, yeah, keep us in the loop if you don't mind. This story is from Megan. Ever since I was a little girl, I have always had the capabilities to see and feel things that a normal person doesn't. And my nana always told me that I had the ability to see and connect with spirits and the energy they give off. Being young, I always try to turn that sense off because it was terrifying to see and feel things that weren't real. So naturally in doing so, there was a long period of time where I didn't see or feel anything for years. It wasn't until I was pregnant with my second child that I began seeing things again, which leads me to the night where I saw not one, but two spirits in the same night, in the same room. My husband, daughter, and I were staying the night with my mother-in-law in their two-story house on about 50 acres of land in Blanket, Texas. After our dinner and bedtime routine, we got settled down in my husband's sister's room for the night, since she was off at college. My husband gave me the queen-size bed so I could sleep comfortably, being six months pregnant and not able to get much rest. Him and our daughter slept on the floor that night. At around 2.30 in the morning, I had woken up to turn over when I saw a huge shadow of a man standing in the doorway. I couldn't see any facial features at all, just the silhouette. He was as tall as the doorframe, didn't move, didn't speak, just stood there. I naturally thought it was my father-in-law, a tall man himself, coming to check on us, and so I fell back asleep. About an hour later, I woke up again to the sound of movement. It sounded like my daughter was tossing and turning, so I sat up in the bed and looked down to see her get up and start walking out of the room. I called at her. Emma, turn back around and lay back down, baby. It's not time to wake up. She turned around and looked at me, and it was at that moment I realised that this wasn't my daughter. This was a little girl in a short white dress with lace on it, and had dark short hair pinned up on the side. My daughter has long blonde hair. The little girl looked at me as though she couldn't believe that I could see her. She then turned around and laid back down, right next to my daughter. I couldn't believe what my eyes had just seen, and I was frozen for a moment in sheer shock. As soon as I snapped out of it, I quickly got out of bed and moved my daughter from the floor to the bed with me. Yes, I left my poor husband on the floor. As you can imagine, I didn't sleep at all that night and was constantly scanning the room for the little brunette girl, but never saw her after that. That morning at breakfast, I asked my mother-in-law why my father-in-law had come in to check on us that night, explaining that I saw him in the doorway to our room. She looked at me like I was crazy and said he didn't. He had slept all night and he didn't get up once. My mother-in-law is a very light sleeper and would have felt and heard him getting up from the bed. I began to tell her about the very tall man I'd seen and she started saying that she'd seen him on and off for years. She then began to get upset, so I didn't tell her about the little girl. Six years later, when we go there for the night, I make sure to sleep in the same bed as my daughter and son, and we keep a nightlight on. So thank you for sharing that, Megan. I always like a story, though, where the ghost seems surprised to be seen. Yeah, yeah, because it, it, it sort of speaks of an agency. Mm. You know, because it... I, I think we always, or not always, but we often get hung up in this notion that, and I don't think paranormal TV helps with this, that when shit happens, it's almost like it's a performance for us. 
or a demon or oh christ yeah <laughs> I'm start on that shit. but yeah it's almost like it's a performance right it's it's mm. oh it's it's nine o'clock it's time for the haunting but this looks like someone who is just living their life and then all of a sudden oh shit you can see me and i just wonder what were you doing why was it laid next to a daughter it's almost as if the ghost wanted to lay next to the other child as though it made them feel comfortable yeah yeah i was thinking that or like it's somehow a, another part of them you know like uh like a subtle body versus a physical body kind of thing mm-hmm. you know we talked on the last the last story about the notion of not knowing when you've passed on mm-hmm. and maybe maybe that's the case maybe the little kid just doesn't know what to do with themselves and there's some comfort in having another kid around well yeah i'm a big believer in the notion that ghosts get lonely sure i mean if we accept that they're people then if they're alone a lot longer than uh you know a lot longer than normal people would be that would be paralyzingly lonely absolutely especially if you haunt a particular property for decades and you see people come and go live their lives pass on and nobody stays around to keep you company it must be uh, awful, really, being a ghost. Especially if you're sleeping on the floor. Because <laughs> yeah, I got to yeah. tell you, when I was a kid, I could sleep on the floor. I cannot sleep on the floor now. And I just wonder if, as a ghost, you know, you're 65, 70 years old, you're still sleeping on the floor. That's- I can sleep on the floor. I can't get up again, but I can sleep on the floor. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, fair point, fair point. <laughs> More chance of getting up after being run over. <laughs> Thank you very much for that story, Megan. This story is from Shannon. I have two stories I've been waiting to share with you for a while. Recently, I had a very strange encounter, so I figured it was high time I write out these stories. For a bit of background, I grew up with a malicious presence in my mother's home. I became accustomed to dealing with it by not giving it power, not thinking about it, and asking it to leave me alone. So I think I've blocked myself from experiencing more. In 2013, my then best friend and I decided we didn't want to do Christmas, so we drove up to Estes Park and stayed at the Stanley Hotel. Of course, we did the ghost walk with a tour guide named Scary Mary, who was great. In one particular parlor on the tour, Mary said there were usually children ghosts, not because they died there, but she believed they had fond memories of visiting and enjoying the place. After hearing about the room, my friend and I were sitting on the sidelines, watching as others tried to capture ghosts and photographs. Scary Mary came up to us and said, The children want me to thank you for all the work you do with underprivileged youth. Does that make any sense? Chills ran up my spine. I was working as a teacher for a small charter school for at-risk youth. My friend jumped and said, oh my God, she's a teacher. Scary Mary was not surprised at all. The second story I want to share with you is from the northern New Mexico forest. I know you both find the forest scary, but I've been camping since I was two and don't usually find any scary supernatural feelings in the woods. My girlfriend and I are overlanders and we spend a lot of time off the grid. A couple years ago, we planned a trip down to Santa Fe and planned to explore the forest around it. We have a full GPS setup, ham radio, CB radio, and trail maps, both digital and physical. We use an app to track our trips and make sure we were on the right trails as we run into very rough roads. Our first day in the area ran late, and we ended up getting to the forest where the trail started as the sun was going down. This was not a big deal for us as we had a full night set up and we were not expecting a rough trail. We found one campsite right as we entered, but we liked to be isolated, so we kept driving to find other spots. We didn't see more campsites and kept driving. 
we got to a weird spot where we couldn't tell where the trail was anymore. According to the map, we had driven off the trail onto a trail that was not on the map. This usually happens because people on four-wheelers make new trails. This is not legal, by the way, and is not good for the forest or wildlife. We had some issues turning around, but we got back on the path. Then it happened again. We ended up on a trail that was not the right trail. Again, we turned around. The sun was down now, and this happened several more times. I had a horrible feeling that something was pulling us deeper into the woods. I joked with my girlfriend that it was a Wendigo trying to lure us, but part of me was not joking. We eventually had to turn around and find the trail we had come in on. We never saw another campsite, and the trees had gotten more and more dense, like no one ever spent time in that area. We got back to the campsite at the beginning of the trail. We parked and got out to set up, and then we both stopped and noticed something very strange. There was no noise, no wind, no birds, no insects, nothing. We are basically professional campers, and we have never been in a place where it was totally silent. We were both very unnerved, but hungry and exhausted. We quickly made up some ramen and went to bed. We both kept waking up, and until morning, we did not hear a single thing in those woods. When the day broke, we got out of there and went to find breakfast. That is the only time I have been scared of supernatural happenings in the forest. And Shannon, quite frankly, that is a pristine example of why I do not go into the forest. Because all it takes is the one time. And in your experience, experience with the woods, I'm just some schmuck wandering out there in the trees. You realized, oh, I'm on the wrong trail. Bren would not have figured that out. Bren would have happily wandered down the garden path and into the maw of whatever forest horror was waiting for him. <laughs> I'd be interested to know, because Santa Fe, um, in the forest near it, has apparently one of the most haunted campgrounds in America. Really? Yeah. Ironically called the Holy Ghost Campground. No shit. Mm-hmm. Is there so, any speculation as to why? Uh, a priest was murdered there. Oh, okay. But apparently it's an area of high strangeness in that particular vicinity. So I'd be interested to know if Shannon was anywhere near there. There we go. Shannon, yeah, if you're, uh, if you're listening, let us know because that is, fuck, that's really interesting. Yeah, people have seen weird lights in the sky. It's known for a lot of missing people as well, that particular area. Really? Hmm? People Jesus. vanish in the woods. <laughs> Maybe you two got lucky. Yeah, UFO sightings, ghosts, weird noises. So, yeah. Fascinating. Funny enough, you know, you talk about, you know, my not particularly enjoying the woods. I do think it, it can be specific to people. You know, like uh, I had a message from our patron, Taya, the other day. And Taya went to the Arrow Lake area, which is south of Revelstoke. And she said, you know, it's lovely. And she said, I never actually had any of the apprehension you have in that area. It was just beautiful. And I agreed with her. I mean, it's, it's a very beautiful region, but there is a certain region of it where it is just something feels off. Hmm. And, and again, there is, you know, I, I have my own theories, but I do think it's just, yeah, some people are not meant to be certain places, you know? And, and I, I think that's the same thing with this woods. I think there are some times you can be in the woods and it's fine because I've, I've been in the woods and it's been fine, but there are other times, I don't know, there are other times, whatever is happening, maybe if you're picking up on it, it means you are a little more susceptible to it. And I often wonder, you know, in the case of particularly powerful things, maybe even if you're not aware of it, 
it can still be a danger to you. And I kind of wonder if that's what Shannon experienced. Definitely. Like there is, you and I were talking about, um, I can't we were talking about, but I mentioned about the, oh yeah, yeah. We were talking about the group of missing people in the Arrow Lakes. And in 2017, six different men went missing in that region. And three of them were found drowned. Three of them were never found to the best of my knowledge. Two of the men went missing. They were campers. They were camping in roughly the same area. They were not known to each other. They both disappeared within two or three days of each other. One was found in the lakes about, I don't know, a week or something later. The other was found in a different part of the lakes about two months later. You know, again, some people, a lot of people camp down there. Most people are fine. But that year, for whatever reason, six different people, six different men, roughly eh, same, same age-ish range, went down there and either didn't come back or if they did, were, were never seen again. And if they were seen again, it was not alive. So I do sometimes wonder if there is a situational or, or again, just a personal aspect, you know, almost like a spider's web. If you have a certain variation to you that vibrates the web and draws whatever, whatever the predator is or the trouble is. So with giant spiders in the woods on our mind, thank you so much, Shannon, and uh, stay safe out there. Our next story is from Teresa. After listening to your show and my partner telling me to share my stories, I've decided to do it. I've had many experiences throughout my life from the age of five years old. I am clairaudient and have now finally accepted my gift and gone on to successfully read tarot. It wasn't always received as a gift though. In the past I've seen shadows of people, felt their presence and even been attacked and sometimes protected too. I'd like to start with one that happened when I was living with my ex-mother-in-law with my ex-husband. It was around 1983 and at that time it wasn't easy living there. We were sitting in her front room and I wasn't in a particularly great mood, feeling fed up and not happy being stuck living there. My ex-husband was as usual in the type of mood I hated, taking the mickey and being disrespectful of my feelings. I was living on my nerves and eggshells at that time. It seemed everything I did wrong and never right. I can't remember what was said, but it made my ex-husband say, Are you blind as well as being deaf? Immediately the second he finished saying that, a Spanish lady ornament that was on top of a dresser, six foot high in the room, launched itself across it and landed in the middle of the floor. My ex-mother-in-law and ex both went ashen-coloured, and I just gazed in amazement. No way could or would that ornament have fallen or travelled so far across the room, unless it had been picked up and thrown. I picked it up, and carefully put it back where it was, and tested it to see if it would fall over by pushing it. Each time I tried, which was several times, it only fell over, but not to the floor, or as far as it had. These ornaments had long frilly Spanish dresses and were held upright by a strong wire that formed a circle on the bottom so they stood and balanced on the spot. There was another one on the other side of it and that never moved. It didn't freak me out but I know it did them. I knew and have known that someone from the spirit world was angry at what was said to me that day. And I always like a spirit that's got somebody's back. Absolutely. No fucking around. Like, oh, you think you're funny, eh? Yeah, you're not laughing now, are you? <laughs> so it's a ghost with my sense of fairness. Yeah. Hey, funny boy. <laughs> that sounds more poltergeisty than ghost, too, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. I always like that, especially the fact that 
you get up to test it and you test it and you're like, well, no, it, it can't. Because often they'll go, oh, well, it's, you know, the usual, oh, well, a car must have driven past and the vibrations have made it fly off. Yeah, launched it into space like Elon Musk. Yeah, nothing else moves and it, you can't repeat it, but that's clearly what the explanation is. Move on. Nothing to see here. I feel like we, we've got another another square on on Ghost Story Guys bingo there. We've got we, disbelieving husband. <laughs> Or disbelieving yes. partner. Yes. We've Angry mother-in-law. Um, yeah, and mother-in-law. We've got, I feel like, I feel like disbelieving spouse, is that the center square? No. I think this is something we can make up. I'm certainly, like if we come up with a bingo card. I think we should. I think we should, we should offer it out to the audience to create a ghost story guys bingo. Absolutely. Listeners, send us an email, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Let us know what should be squares on the ghost story guys bingo card. Because I think, uh, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like th- there's enough there to fill out an entire bingo card. Bren says something inappropriate. <laughs> Paul mentions Bigfoot. There should be several squares for that, I feel like. <laughs> that could be the center square. Paul mentions Bigfoot. No, 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 no. It's always the, the disbelieving husband or, or male partner for me. It's, it's one of those, even as, as listening to the show as long as I have. I, every, oh, oh, these men. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've only had disbelieving wives a couple times, I think. Mm. I think it's usually disbelieving dudes. Yeah, yeah. We're all a little bit like the judge in Blood Meridian. You know, <laughs> if I have not seen it, it, it is, does not have license to exist. Yeah, yeah. Well, strange, strangely enough, I was uh, one of my upcoming shows this week. We'd, we'd focus on the spiritualism movement. Right. And uh, in the discussion, one of the, one of the theories for why a lot of these proponents were promoted so often was primarily because of arrogant men who believed that they were far too clever to be fooled by women and children. No way could these clever people be fooled by such lesser things. Right. Right you are, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yep. Yep. We call that the Rocky Three lesson. (laughs) So thank you very much, Teresa. Our final story of the night comes from Natalie. When I was around 15, almost 20 years ago now, My parents and I stayed in a gorgeous cabin near Bannockburn, an infamous battleground. The place immediately freaked me out. I'd never walked into a place and gotten a horrible feeling straight away. The setting was beautiful, the cabin itself lovely, but the vibe of the place was just... off. Night one, I had to move beds in the twin room. In bed one, I could see the gap behind bed two and the darkness behind it. It was a blackness I don't think I've ever seen before. Looking at it terrified me. So much so that I actually moved into bed two to be in front of it, instead of having to look into it. It makes no sense, I know. Oh no, it it makes total sense. I stayed at home one afternoon to complete my higher art exam piece, and stayed in the one spot for six hours, too scared to get lunch, make tea, or even pee until my parents got home. I was often the first person to get home when we were at our own house, so it wasn't as though being on my own was unusual. This place was just so scary. Anyways. Gets to the end of the week, and honestly, I'm relieved to be going home. We're driving back, my mom, dad, who is a skeptic, and I, when mom says, well, that place had a thing about it, didn't it? My dad just quietly said yes. Me and mom spoke about how spooky it was, and that was that. A few months later, my mom revealed she'd seen a soldier, bayonet, gun, full green uniform, standing at the edge of her bed, staring out the window at the fields below. She woke up looked straight at him. 
He stared her right in the eye, then looked back at the window. She said she was equally terrified, and somehow not. My dad, ever the skeptic, had a perfect description of the soldier. He had seen him two nights in a row. The soldier had been standing at the end of their bed when my dad woke up. They also exchanged a look, and my dad said he felt a little scared, but mostly like the soldier was watching over them. Their experience was wild, but lovely. I still think there was something far more sinister in my room there. We've spoken about it many times since, and my dad's also had another couple of experiences since then, so he is now fully on Team Spooky Bitch. And <laughs> that, uh, Natalie, Team Spooky Bitch is now possibly the favorite thing I've ever said on this show. <laughs> I, too, am Team Spooky Bitch. Yeah, you've got to watch those battlegrounds in Scotland. They are strange places. Yeah, that, that sounds intense. Have you heard other stories about battlegrounds up there? Yeah, I, I had a very odd encounter at Glencoe. Oh, of course, right. Yeah. As we were talking earlier about being places where you feel deeply uncomfortable, I've never got my head around that. We were supposed to stay there for two nights and we left after one. I just couldn't, didn't get a wink of sleep, just couldn't settle at all. Didn't like it Jesus. whatsoever. Yeah, just felt off. It was just very uncomfortable. I just didn't feel, I didn't feel like I could let my guard down. It was peculiar. Right. I mean, from what Natalie's saying here, that was her experience, but she had no choice but to stick around for a full goddamn week. Yeah. And uh, Natalie, you talk about the, um, uh, you said something about the darkness you know, makes no sense. And I said, it does. And the reason it does is because I've heard stories of this before from other people, um, actually in the UK as well, although not in Scotland. But yeah, this, this sense that there is something, there's something about the darkness that you don't want to look at it too closely. Almost like there's something looking back, but you're not, mm. you just can't quite make it out. So that's not, not as unusual as you might think. All right. So like I said, that was our last story for the night. Thank you so much to everyone who wrote in. If you've got a story you want to share, send it to ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. And if you do send us an email, please know I read everything you send. Uh, the really nice stuff I pass along to Paul, if there's any shitty stuff that just gets deleted, so don't waste <laughs> your time. And, um, the only thing is I, you, you may not hear back and that's just because I am really shit at keeping up with email, but believe me, it's, it's not a judgment on you. So if you send us an email, trust that I have read it and yeah, please don't, don't be discouraged if I don't write back again. It's not because I, not because I don't want to, it's because I am lousy at correspondence. Yeah. He doesn't even respond to my email, so don't worry about it. See you here, buddy. <laughs> I'm going to lose emails. By God, I'm going to lose all the emails, not just yours. <laughs> and yeah, if you want to get in touch again, ghoststoryguys.gmail.com is the way to do it. And yeah, we're going to take a quick break. and We'll be right back. Hey there, listeners. Before you reach for that skip 15 seconds ahead button, I promise you this isn't an ad. We wanted to take a minute to talk to you about mental health. 
On this show, I've always tried to be as honest and open as possible about my struggles with depression and anxiety, because even though we've come a long way towards acknowledging the very real damage these things can do, there is still way too much lingering stigma about reaching out for help. And when you start to feel like there's no help, it's easy to start feeling like there's no hope. But Paul has joined me today to remind you there is always hope and there's always help. We're not going to try and talk you out of self-harming right now, because we know that's not how it works. Instead, what we wanted to do was tell you something now, and hope that should things get bad, you'll remember it, and make a phone call, or send a text message before you make any permanent decisions. As someone who knows all too well just how important mental health can be, it's never too late to reach out. In Canada, the number to call is one 456 4566. In the USA, the number to call is 1-800-273-8255. In the UK, the number to call is 116-123 or text SHOUT, that's S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. In Australia, the number to call is 131114. However bad shit seems, it will pass, and no matter what your brain might be telling you at any given moment, and believe me when I say I know this intimately, there are people who love you, and people who care deeply about how you treat yourself. Should a time come when you find yourself despairing, please know that we've both been where you are, and there is a way back to the world. Take care. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, to Luke, Sarah, and Anthony, and everyone else who's part of the Ghost Story Guys family. And don't forget to check out Luke's podcast, Luke Lore, available everywhere. Fine podcasts live. Thanks also to you, my friend and co-host, the great Paul Bestel, the paranormal Johnny Carson, host of Mysteries and Monsters. What's coming up on Eminem, Paul? What isn't? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No fucking kidding. Um, so, yeah, I decided to have the really clever idea of releasing some extra episodes for October because, you know, you I haven't got enough to be man. doing in my real life. Um, so, uh, I've got uh, author and historian Mark Hartsman, and we're having a, a good chuckle about spiritualism. Um, we've got the return of Ruth Roper Wild talking oh, about some cool. of her favorite stories from These Haunted Times, Volume 2. And then I've got an episode that I am deeply excited about where I am joined by Larry Arnold and we talk about spontaneous human combustion. Yes, that is going to be a great show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and plus I've got a Cursed Objects one as well. Yeah, what the hell, just throw one more thing in there. Just warming everybody up, because I've got some big hitters coming back in November. Oh, that's pretty great. And where can everyone find you online? Uh, you can find us where all good podcasts can be found, alongside all social media platforms looking for mysteries and monsters. Perfect. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Largely the Truth. You can also find my podcast, Larger the Truth with Brennan Store, everywhere fine podcasts live. I just had Mark Semler, the founder and CEO of Blue Pint Society on. We were talking about testicular cancer because that's sort of his MO. The uh, Blue Pint aims to raise awareness of men's health and testicular cancer in particular. So we talked a little bit about that. We talked about their upcoming beer school event. And then coming up next week, I've got the author Mike Thorne, who is a Canadian horror writer whose latest short story anthology, Peel Back and See, is getting some pretty great reviews. We talk about some of the psychological underpinnings of horror, the current state of horror literature in Canada, and we actually talk about a place I've never heard of before, but it's called the Museum of Fear and Wonder, and it is in rural Alberta. 
again, you can check that out at, uh, well, largeofthetruth.com or everywhere fine podcasts live. And if you want to become a patron, head on over to patreon.com slash ghost story guys. You can get there. You can get access to our massive archive of recorded material. It's ridiculous at this point, folks. There is book of the dead host adventures, sunken library, me and Paul, all these bonus shows that our patrons get and five bucks a month gets you through the door to get all that stuff. Then there's live streams and, and all kinds of other goodies. And you can find more info about that at patreon.com slash ghost story guys. And remember, if you don't like ads, because hey, who does a dollar a month that gets you an ad free feed. All right. So, uh, what's coming up for news? You, you've got a couple podcast appearances coming up. Yeah. So I'm going to be, um, well, it's probably going to be out about the same time as this. I'm joining Bob Brown, who I had the, the good fortune of going UFO spotting in Bempton with the other week for my birthday. Cause that's how you should always see your birthday in UFO spotting on a dangerous cliff edge in Eastern Yorkshire. Why not? I thought, um, what what's the, the worst that could happen? Um, <laughs> so yeah, we've got that coming up. Um, and, and a couple of other appearances and, uh, yeah, just carrying on doing what we're doing and wanting to know how I can get hold of a, a paranormal hunting greyhound. Yes. If you're not sure what we're talking about there, check that out on our Facebook page. Rather odd that it's names Bond as well in the current uh, advertising heavy climate that we're in. Yes, that is true. Actually, my, my first visit to the cinema since March of, 20, uh, March of last year will mm. be to see No Time to Die, the latest six hour installment or something in the new bond franchise. I don't know. My, my friend likes James Bond. So, and if you want to hear me and Paul talk about how shit most James Bond movies are, that is also in the most recent episode of me and Paul. Uh, as for me, I think the only new thing I got coming up is my, uh, spot on the mission. Spooky podcast will be out towards the end of the month. We talk about Tommy knockers and mind ghosts. And I think that's it. A huge thanks again to our musical guest, vampire stepdad. The song you're hearing on this episode is Everending Story, and that's from his latest album, Sanguine, which you can find at VampireStepdad.com. And if you're not familiar with Vampire Stepdad, make sure to check out his back catalog. Uh, he's an extraordinarily talented composer and performer. I love his stuff. His album, Love Bites, is perfect. I like it so much, I made it part of the patron reward package. If you sign up at 20 bucks a month, you get a, a download code for that album, because I love Love Bites. It's extraordinary. And all his stuff is good. Hope Springs Eternal was his 2019 album. Uh, yeah, it's all good. And you can find that at streaming platforms everywhere or at vampirestepdad.com. If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys merch, you can head on over to our website at ghoststoryguys.com. Then there's links to our Redbubble, Public, and Big Cartel stores. From there, you can get t-shirts, mugs, stickers, signed copies of my book, A Strange Little Place, The Hauntings and Unexplained Events of One Small Town. And if you want to pick up the audiobook version with me, admittedly not my finest performance, it was my first audiobook, but still, you can pick that up at, on Audible, iTunes, or wherever else audiobooks live. If you could, leave us a five-star review anywhere you can. Helps raise, helps bump the numbers, put the show in front of a few more eyes, and tell a friend, because there's no better way to help us grow the show than to tell someone about it. Because, uh, yeah, there's nothing goes further than a personal recommendation. Everyone have a safe and happy Halloween. You guys have fun out there. I'd say be safe. Don't be stupid. There's still this virus rampaging around the, the, the world. So, you know, don't let anyone cough in your eyeballs. How about you, Paul? What are you up to for, uh, for Halloween? I might be going on a ghost hunt. Oh, really? Yeah. But um, 
I might not. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. Watch this space. Yes, it's a stately home. So we'll see what happens. Oh, exciting. Mm, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. So yeah, have a safe and happy Halloween, everyone. Yeah. Take care. Our theme song, Radio, Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter of Pizzanta Music. You can find more from him at nightharvestrecordings.com or everywhere. Stream your tunes. Our story's theme is The Future Belongs to Them Now by Hexagram. Find more from them by searching for Hexagram, wherever you get your music. Remember, that's Hexagram with two X's, not three. And I think that's going to do it. Well, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. But until then... Into the darkness we go. now because it no. won't be in theaters for much longer like <laughs> eight seconds maybe <laughs> so bad they can't even ban it <laughs> that's it's not even worth the time to ban it <laughs> yeah that's something i have to talk to you about now that's the conversation. <laughs> well that's what happens when you go to andre agassi's for a drink <laughs> oh the stories he can tell uh, paul bestel i can't wait for that autobiography <laughs> <laughs> sorry andre i love you because we know you're listening. Christ. Start again, Paul. We've recorded so far a true crime podcast, a movie podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's throw some ghosts in the mix. Yes, the spirits are amongst us, it seems. Got some action happening over there? <laughs> What's happening? I don't know. There's no lights on, but I keep hearing funny noises. What kind of funny noise? Like a rattling. Forced air from a, from a radiator or something? Or? No, it's like foil crinkling. Oh, mice maybe. I hope not. We've got three cats. If we've got mice, we're all going to get sacked. <laughs> you ever seen me eat a mouse? Exactly. <laughs> What's that? It's a teppanyaki. This is this cat teppanyaki. They bring you the mouse and then you, you grill it up in front of them. There's someone sawing right outside my window.
Is he wearing a plaid shirt? No, no, just some <laughs> shitty t-shirt. I can't even get the, the benefit of ghosts. <laughs> How do you know he's real? Oh, I'm certainly not going to ask him. <laughs> Excuse me, are you dead? I'm dead inside. <laughs> my wife left me. <laughs> save me. Do you like the way the light shines off my head? Is that it? I do. It's very, it's very majestic. I've been noticing that. Uh, it keeps making me look like I've got a spray tan on my head today. <laughs> Good for you. It makes me look like I've got about 16 walnuts packed into my jowls. That's what I'll do. I'll, I'll start a YouTube channel. Do it, baby. 20 pounds a month for half a meg. It's Britain's best broadband. Woo! <laughs> you can stream exactly one Netflix. You may say that it's mental illness, but I'm telling you it's possession. No, 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 it's mental illness, mate. Leave these people alone and get them the proper help they need. You know, I mean, <laughs> let's not be hasty here.